Okay, so. Yeah, so you should mention it then. Okay. So, Stan, just remember, like, um, any movement you do, kind of stay close to this way because you're, like, really cut off on that right. end, on this end. Right. Okay. You know when you're ready? And periodically use your phone to take some pictures. Oh, and then set the phone up. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. All right, so we're ready, right? We are ready. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. We do that for later when we're done. Just with your phone, just take some. Your phone's good, right? What, what, mm -hmm. what year is that? <laughs> oh more, man, it's more update than yours. Yesterday, you he said, but you have a 13, right? No, I've got the 13. Oh, okay, That's my so max. I'm what year is it? It's the 12. Now you want a model. What year is it? He said, We got that. Oh, six? Insurance, personal insurance, uh, health insurance, life insurance, all types of insurance. We're going to dive in and see how we can take advantage of it and learn from uh, his skill sets and pass it along so that way we can teach the rest of the generation how to build wealth and how to establish it from just having, you know, insurance. So please, my special guest for this holiday season, <laughs> my guy. Robert Fortune. Robert, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. So before we dive in, Robert and I have been cracking jokes a little bit. And, but we're going to get serious because it's a serious topic, right? We want everybody to understand because this information is not shared to everybody. And this is an opportunity for you to have your notes ready, take advantage of the information that he's going to share because it's very, very important. And just to piggyback, I'm gonna actually learn it myself because I wanna apply it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we begin, I just wanna say welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, we're really glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And please introduce yourself, give your background, and further details. All right. Okay, cool. So my name is Robert Fortune. Uh, I founded uh, Fortune Advisory Services um, back in 2017. Uh, I'm the CEO. Um, what we focus on mainly is financial literacy for the community. So I'm a veteran of the finance industry for over 15 years. I've worked at different firms like JP Morgan Chase. I've worked at places like HSBC Securities, right? And while I was there, what I noticed was um, I got privy to certain information that's not really circulated around my own community, people that I know, right? Family, right? Um, prior to working there, I didn't really know anything about investments or insurance, right? Um, but once I worked there and I got that picture, I noticed that, again, my people aren't getting it. So I said, how can I get that information? Right. So that's why I started the business in 2017, to focus solely on financial decisions for the company, I mean, for the community. Mm -hmm. And then with that, I can provide information for like stock investing, portfolio management, um, life insurance, mm -hmm. business planning, debt consolidation, things of that nature, right? right. 
So with all of that, then I'm able to fulfill my passion. I'm able to help people create their money mindset as well as find their financial freedom. Okay. So are you like a financial planner or are you on that scale? Yeah. So, you know, what I do, there's many different terms for it, right? Can you say investment manager, you can say financial consultant, you can say financial planner, right? I like I like the term financial consultant because I'm not just focused on one area of finance. Right? I'm not I do investment management, but that's not the only thing I do. I, I handle life insurance, but I'm not just a life insurance agent. So with the consulting firm, with the consulting piece of it, I can help people really truly understand their finances right. from point A, which we consider budgeting, right, to point B where you're doing wealth creation and generational wealth building. Yeah, well, for this show, this episode, what we really want to touch on is the life insurance and how we can benefit by having life insurance. Because a lot of us in our community don't believe in getting life insurance right. to protect not only us, but our family right? for, the, for the long term. And I actually went to a funeral recently, and it was shared with me that you can actually start investing in the burial or in the tomb even from early. Yeah. And, and reap the benefits because you're not paying that upfront money. Correct. You could break it down in portions. So this is the area that I want to tackle if you don't mind. Because I think it is such a valuable information that we don't a lot of people use it, right? right. Besides us. Right. 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 Take right. advantage of it. Hundred percent. Yeah, so please elaborate on it. Right. So you touched on a couple of things, right? So what I like to start is just letting people know what life insurance is in general, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in our community, we have a different mindset when it comes to life insurance. We equate it directly to death. Right. And what you'll hear a lot in our community is, I'm not trying to make anybody else rich when I'm gone, right? I hate that statement because for me, I'm all about legacy, right? So in my mind, I'm trying to make my son rich when I'm gone, right? I'm trying to be the stepping stone for what that generation of wealth becomes. So life insurance as a whole is the top way and honestly, the cheapest way, even though people think of the premium or the cost, that's the cheapest way to create generational wealth. It's the cheapest way to leave a bunch of money to somebody else. Why is that future? Because at any point, right, you can start paying for life insurance. And let's say you passed away a week after you got the life insurance contract. You could potentially leave your family a million dollars without ever having to put money in. So if you do the numbers for any life insurance contract, you'll see that the amount of money you paid into that contract is never going to equate or, or surpass the amount of money you'll be able to leave. Wow. Right? So whether it's 100 grand, 200 grand, 2 million, 200 million dollars, right? You're never going to be paying that money. So now you have to say to yourself, me personally as a, as a finance manager, an investment manager, I can tell you it's way harder for you to save a million dollars than it is for you to buy a million dollars of protection for your family, right? Or protection for your business or protection for your assets. Right? There's so many avenues you can use life insurance for. Right? So now, knowing that, now you're saying to yourself, okay, well then how does it work? Right, right? Because I don't have extra money to spend, right? Well, if you take the term premium, right, what's a premium? Right. It's essentially a cost for you to be able to do something else. Right? So you pay a premium on your car insurance. Right. You pay a premium for your health insurance. Why? Because if I get sick. I want to be able to go to the doctor and not incur all the costs for what a surgery or a treatment would, would curtail, right? Right. So that's why I'm paying that $50 a month, $100 a month, so that when I got to get the surgery, right. it's 36 grand. I don't have 36 grand just to hand you, right? So now you're saying, okay, 
it's a way for you to build money for the future, like you mentioned for a burial, right? So if you know eventually, right, we all die, right, right, and you're essentially going to need a funeral at that point, right? Right. You can say yourself, well, how much is the funeral today? You can say fifteen grand, mm-hmm. right? Let's, let's mark it off at that. Right. So at fifteen grand, I can say, okay, well, how much money am I gonna have to spend today for to be for me to be able to leave a chunk of fifteen grand for my family to pay for my burial later? Right. 20, 30, 40, 60, 80 years old, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how you have to think about it. It's more of an asset. I consider an asset than a liability, right? right? Because it also instantly increases your net worth. So why do people, like, when they get into certain <coughs> financial struggles, that's the first thing to go, right? <laughs> when you think about it, a lot of people, when they start to budget, mm-hmm. they don't budget as that being something that's crucial or or consider it as an asset class to keep for long longevity wise, mm-hmm. right? Why is that? We value the money we pay today more so than what we can leave our family later. Mm-hmm. That's why. We consider the life insurance, well, I'll say this, right? In our community, we're taught about term life insurance. Right. We're taught about something that ends. And if I don't die, my family doesn't get anything. Right. So like 95, so I would say 99% of term policies, they end without the person dying. So it's you, like you pay for the money mm-hmm. and then you're never going to die before the contract ends, right? So it, it could be a 30-year term. Like I see people out here selling 30-year terms to 25-year-olds. And I'll say, well, do you plan on that 25-year-old dying by the time they're 55 or before? Mm. Probably not, right? right? So what are you doing? So yeah, it's lower cost. Yeah, it's maybe like $25 or $12 a month. Mm-hmm. But do that math, right? $12 a month for 30 years. That's probably fifteen grand, right? Yeah. That you could have just saved, and now you would have had a burial, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, you're paying for a term policy that's going to end, and it's not going to leave your family nothing. That doesn't really make sense to me, right? So the life is better. The a whole life. A whole life. There's many break, break break down the difference. So I'll say. So I'll say the the, the two people, the two terms that people know the most: whole life and term life, right? So I'll say I consider it permanent insurance and non-permanent insurance. So non-permanent would be a term life insurance. A permanent insurance could be a whole life, it could be a universal, it could be an index universal, it could be a variable universal, it's many different ones. Mm-hmm. But let's stick to the two that people know the most, right? right. Whole life and term. So term is, I pay a cost for a death benefit that if I die within that term, then my family get this money. Mm-hmm. If I outlive it, then the contract ends or the cost drastically increase on me, right? right? So that's term. It's the cheapest way to buy life insurance. Mm-hmm. Does it have its place in the ecosystem? Yes. There's ter- there's place for term life insurance. Mm-hmm. Should it be your only life insurance contract? No. Right? Because more than likely you're not you're gonna out more than likely you are going to outlive that contract. Right. A whole life policy, why people know it the most is because it creates cash value. The part of premium that I put in into my policy, mm-hmm. right, part of that money goes to a separate account that I get interest on. Mm-hmm. Right? What people mostly don't know about whole life insurance is a basic contract set up by a life insurance carrier is going to set it up in a split, right? So if I'm telling you part of your money is going to go to pre, uh, premium and part of it is going to go to um, cash value, mm-hmm. you're going to ask me, well, how much is that? Life insurance carriers try to set it up to be 90-10 in their favor. 90% of your premium goes to them for insurance costs and 10% of it goes to your Right, to your cash value. Oh, yeah. What people are trying to do is, right, they're trying to find the cheapest way to get life insurance. Right. So I'm like, oh, I can only afford $100. So you're saying to yourself, I can only put in $10 every month. 
every month into my cash app because they get interest because ninety percent is going up, right? There's other ways that you could leverage whole life insurance to make the split better in your favor, right? What we consider that is, you can consider that something that we call infinite banking, right. or creating your life insurance contract to be your own personal bank. Okay. Right. So what you're trying to do there is you're trying to flip the split to be to be more closer to ninety in your favor, mm-hmm. and I'm only paying ten percent of the insurance costs to the insurance company. How would you do that? So you need a life insurance agent that's going to be able to customize your plan specifically mm-hmm. to do one of three things. Match a premium that you can afford every month. Find a number that you want to get to and save every single year, a match number. Then find a life and then create the life insurance contract to be able to keep that maximum number or that MEC limit mm-hmm. every single year on your contract. Most carriers are going to pay you maybe five to six percent on your insurance, guaranteed, mm-hmm. right? And let that money grow for you. No losses, right? right? So you don't have to worry about the ups and downs of the market. Right. You can just get that guaranteed number and let that money grow for you, right? right? right. Now, when that happens, as your cash value grows at an optimal level, mm-hmm. excuse me, optimal level, what you're also getting is, when your cash value gets to a certain point, then your debt benefit starts to increase. So the sooner you buy life insurance for yourself, mm-hmm. and I'm, t- I'm talking about 18, 21, 22, whatever it is, at whatever number, you can start building this cash value. And by the time you're 65, 66, there's numbers where you can increase your payments, you can increase your maximum number that you're putting into the contract, mm-hmm. right? And now your cash value is growing, and so is your debt benefit. So what people go is, well, I'm gonna buy life insurance later, right? Because right. I don't need it now, right. right? I don't have children, I don't have somebody who supports, too high support and needs my income, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll buy it later. All you're doing is you're making the cost more expensive for you, yeah. right? Because in insurance terms, you're one year closer to death every time your birthday rolls around, right? So the closer you are to death, the more expensive it becomes, it becomes for you. Yeah. But how about this, right? Because now that you're sharing this information and a lot of people are now probably figuring like, you know, I got to rush and get myself some life insurance. <laughs> right? How can somebody that's past a certain threshold because right, I don't know whether it's 30, 40 years old. Um, and when I say past certain thresholds, I'm talking about in that in that space. Mm-hmm. How can they take advantage? Is it too late for them to take advantage? Mm-hmm. Like, how would you, what would advice would you give? So, I have insurance clients who are, right now, I have somebody who's as old as 72. And life insurance-wise, I have somebody who's as young as Two months. Two what? Two months. Two two months old. Yeah, baby, with yeah. a, life, a whole life. Already? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right. Yeah. What's so numbers on that before you explain? For, for which one? The baby. The baby. Yeah. It's, it's probably I, like what five dollars. I have the mother paying. Uh, most insurance carriers, the minimum is like twenty five dollars. You spend like twenty five dollars, but the but the, the funny thing is the overall cost for the contract is something right. like five dollars. So really, like twenty dollars of that money is going to cash value. And right. you're telling me the baby's two months and you got 18 years to build what I would consider money that you can use for college savings. Okay, so after the 18-year-old, after they turn 18, mm-hmm. they could withdraw that? You could withdraw it because you're the owner of the contract. Okay, right? And you, you don't have to pay penalties. No, that money, all money that comes out as long as you stay within the contract guidelines of a life insurance contract come out tax-free. That includes the death benefit and the cash value that you take out. 
So right now, I mean, right, so right now, if I have a two-year-old uh-huh. and I start putting in, uh-huh. by the time they turn eighteen, that's tax-free. Yeah, yeah. See, this is yeah. information that we need to know, and we'd be able to go over the numbers to show you. Like you say, I want to have fifty thousand dollars. I want to have a hundred thousand dollars by the time I'm eighteen. You could reverse engineer the numbers to make it be that, right? Because in life insurance, the numbers are more they're they're more fixed, right? Mm-hmm. You can pretty much figure out what they're gonna be. As long as the economy really stays the same, which mm-hmm. honestly, people think the economy changes all the time, but when people spend money, that's really right. what the economy is. The money, people spend money, right. right? So the economy continues to grow. So that means these insurance carriers are, are going to continue to have the capacity to pay the same interest that they were paying for 80 or 100 years. Right, right. right? Mm-hmm. It's the most definite policy you can find mm-hmm. to grow your money. But not, but not touching back on the other thing is, it's the premium that people have problems with, right? So the premium for the two year for the two year old is going to be starkly different than the premium for the seven, 72 year old. Right. Right. But the idea is the same. So if you have an idea where you want to create wealth, where you want to create generational wealth over the time, mm-hmm. even at 72, there's a number you can get to if you have the capacity to do it. But everybody's capacity is a little different. That's why I say that's why when I'm talking about these things, each person I'm speaking to, I give them a customized plan that fits what their basic financial ecosystem is. Right. You just hit me with a lot, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's going to be a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I got so many questions I want to ask right now, but just to keep it within a time frame, I know we talked about, and I do want to circle back, but I know last time we spoke that you said that you can actually utilize your whole life as a financial bank, mm-hmm. meaning you could withdraw, mm-hmm. you can uh, loan it out, mm-hmm. you can do so yeah. many things. You want to touch on that? Yeah. So as a cash value grows, right, and you have cash value inside of your life insurance contract, you can withdraw that money or you can loan that money to yourself, right? Um, when you do that, the funny thing about cash value and life insurance is even when you take it out, it's as if it continues to still earn interest on the money as if it never came out of the is this similar to like a 401k? No. Okay. 401k, you take that money out, it's out. Right. right. You pay tax and you pay you're penalty. Not, but you're not building interest. But you're not on building the whole. interest on the whole thing, right? If you had a hundred grand in your 401k, then you said, I need 50 grand. Your 401k statement is going to say 50 grand. Right. right? And it's going to be an interest and on the 50. Payment. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. There's an interest on the 50. Right. There's a, there's a loan payment you have to make back to the 401k company. That $50,000 was wholly part of your income for, for that year that you took it out. Right. And you paid a 10% tax on it if you were below 5950 Now, with their whole life. Now, there's no questions, right? As long right. as you stick like, like, with life insurance, why they put to the life insurance contracts is the contract, right? So, as long as you stay within your guidelines yeah, and the guidelines that the company set, mm-hmm. then you can leverage these things the same way that the other communities have leveraged them for. How long has it been? Like, insurance been around since the 1800s. Like insurance carriers. You have companies like Penn Mutual been around since 1800, right? So if you have companies that have been leveraging life insurance during slavery, right? The, the, the asset that they were protecting were slaves, right? So if they a slave left or a slave died, they got payout on it, right? right. Which helped them go procure more slaves, right? Right. It's a terrible thing to think about. I'm not saying that you should you should you shouldn't look at life insurance now because that was the time then. Right. But let's be honest, right? That's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So you now is what's what what are you gonna equate to what their number one asset was then? You're gonna equate right now your income. 
Right. Right? Because honestly, your money should be working for you, right? So your right. money should be a slave to you. You should dictate what your money does. But the problem is, and why people have an issue really focusing on getting life insurance done properly, is because they are slaves to their money. Right? When you get paid, somebody got their hand down that you gotta pay. Right. Mortgage company, your landlord, yeah. the utility company, right? right? right. Cable, mm-hmm. the credit cards, right? They're, and then that's why people can't pay themselves first. That's why they can't focus on doing other things. Which is which is <clears> like something that we a lot of people struggle with because number the information is out there. It's not like yeah. as if this yeah. is something new, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you know, this has been said for quite a long time that pay yourself first and and build up a savings and then start investing. You mentioned one area why it's so hard for people to do, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say is the, another problem? Um, besides that, you know, their money's going in different directions. What's another problem that can cause people from going into, like, um, preventing them from going ahead and doing a whole life insurance? It's the fact, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the money aspect of it, the, the, the control of your dollars, your personal economy, but it's also the mindset, right? That's why when I started, I talked about money mindset. It's how you think about dollars and how they leverage today, right? Mm-hmm. So the way people think about money and they think about life insurance, and the way it was taught to them. They say to themselves, well, it's gonna end anyway. So at the point when I'm older and retired, I'm not gonna have life insurance anyway, so why should I pay for it anyway? Why should I buy it now? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the problem. And I think that was purposely done, especially in our community, right? right. To showcase that because the three number one ways to create generational wealth, and they're not in any order, but these are the three ways. Okay. Life insurance, mm-hmm. investments, mm-hmm. and real estate. Look at anybody wealthy in this country. Look at anybody wealthy in the world. They have a real estate portfolio, they have an investment portfolio, and then they have life insurance structured in a way to protect all of those things. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, and I agree 1,000%. One, 1, like, <laughs> everyone that I know that's wealthy, uh, their, their real estate portfolio is, is huge, right? But here's the thing. They, I've had people that had two two mind frames, like mm-hmm. two frame of thoughts. Yep. One person would say like, you know, yeah, you wanna establish the real estate and, and, and get into it. And then some people say, start a business first, okay. right? Rather than invest 50,000, $60,000 in a real estate property sure. and start a business and allow that business to buy the real estate, okay. right? So what would you suggest is the better of the two or there is no difference. I don't. Th- I don't think that there's a difference. Okay. But I don't really think there's one. I don't really think one is better than the other. No, it's really going to be dictated by where you are in life. If you have, let's say, you got an inheritance mm-hmm. from a from a dad's family, let's say, like fifty grand. Right. You have the down payment now to go buy a house. Right. True. Or you have fifty grand to start the business. Start the business. So you can do either one. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't have any money saved, you may have to say, okay, I need to save the money. What's the quickest way for me to save the money? Maybe starting the business, right? Because it may be a lower entry point dollar-wise for me to start the business than to say, I'm gonna go to the bank for a mortgage. I got no savings, right. my income isn't high, I may have a, a poor credit, mm-hmm. right? So it's gonna limit me. Right. So it all depends, right? But you could also be somebody who doesn't have savings but has very great credit, right? You could, you know, there's, 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 there's programs out there where I can get it, where I can get into a mortgage, right? Three percent, three percent, right down. Right. Sometimes zero percent down. Actually, you uh, may not want to do it, but no, no. <laughs> but there's there's a there's an entry point. Yeah, I, I recently read that um, 
2022, they're coming out where um, some of these programs are going to allow you, in the, especially in New York, to purchase a property, a million dollar property with 5% down. And a lot of people are so excited. And I, I'm, I'm nervous for them because I'm like, yeah, it sounds good, but you still got to be concerned about the mortgage payments, right? And then you still got to have your income qualification to support that. So even though the five percent sounds good for a million dollar property, right? Yeah. You're probably gonna pay what fifty thousand out. That's, that's yeah. fifty thousand out. So fifty thousand, but you still have to be. How are you gonna manage it? You, you got a nine hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of people are gonna go in debt. Yeah. Because they got the fifty thousand, they're like, oh, I got a million dollar house, and it's not to say that you can't finesse it, mm-hmm. right? Because you can find like a uh, multi property, mm-hmm. right, and rent it out. Rent it out. Yeah. So then that way it makes sense. Yeah. But if you're going to go into a million dollar house with no income, extra income coming in, with no cash flow, yeah, I wouldn't suggest that. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest that either. I don't I'm, care. Even if, it drop, that, yeah, <laughs> even if it drops to 5%. So I completely agree with you. But uh, I'm going to switch off topic for a little bit. Like, what made you get into this? Into, into finance? Into finance. Yeah. So, so funny, I, I talk about this all the time, right? right. It's, it's hilarious, right? So when I was growing up, I never wanted to do anything business whatsoever. Right. It was not interesting to me. I was more of a creative, right? So I always thought about, I was always big into advertising. Mm-hmm. I always saw like commercials, like how does that mean, right? What goes to create a, a commercial spot or, or, or a print ad, right? right? That's what I was really focused on. Um, but, you know, when I, when I was going through high school, um, I wanted to be a chef as well. I cook now, but <laughs> my, my mother didn't want to send me, she wouldn't let me go to Lafayette High School. In Manhattan, because that? she didn't want me to take the trade. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Overprotective. So, so I stayed local. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Right? Aside from that, I had dreams of being an NBA. So I'm six seven. Everybody knows right. me. Knows I play basketball. It's my it's it's my first love. Right. It's still a love of mine today. Mm-hmm. I still try to play now. I watch it all the time. Me and my wife are avid basketball fans. Right. 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 So that's what I want to do. I want to be in the NBA. I want to be a chef, and then I want to be I want to do run an advertising company. Mm-hmm. So. Um, after high school, I went to Brew, I went to Brew College. I got my degree in advertising and marketing. After I graduated, that's time for you to go get an internship, right? Start start your start in a company that's in the field that you want to do. Pay, not pay, whatever. Just get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Could not get a marketing internship. Every marketing internship was either taken or they just weren't being given anymore. Um, so at that time, I was like, well, now I'm becoming an adult. I need to start making my own way. I haven't been, I haven't worked for a few years because technically I've been working since I was 14, but, right. but not real jobs, right? So I need a real job. I gotta get into the workforce. Mm-hmm. You gotta get that real life experience. I, I, I start making money, yeah. right? So a friend of mine was working at Chase Bank at that time. And he was like, Yo, you should look into it. They're hiring people, it's an easy job. And at minimum, you can just do it until, until one of those internships open up. Right. So I started working at, at Chase Bank. Never had any banking background or interest in it. They didn't really even understand what money was because I'm black, so I grew up in a community that really didn't talk about money. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't get it, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna make money, whatever. I'm a grind. Mm-hmm. Five years after that, I gave up on on wanting to do anything else because while there, I learned what money actually is. I learned how it's leveraged through the bank system yeah. and the government in general. It is a tool, right? That most people don't have access to, mm-hmm. right? Most people don't have a financial toolbox. Right. They don't have the, the ability to figure out what's the quickest way for me to go get money if I need to get it, or what's the best way for me to protect it. So I learned about 
savings, I learned about insurance, I learned about investing, I learned about annuities. And I was working hand in hand with a financial advisor who worked at Chase Bank. So I said, bro, this is what I want to do. So at the time, I was working at Chase Bank. For whatever reason, I don't want to get into a, a lot of you know, yeah, political yeah, stuff, yeah. but you know, this isn't a topic about this bash Chase Bank. No, no, no. At the end of the day, all, I just think they, they I know they're not running a monopoly, but it <laughs> seems that way, man. It's like everywhere you turn around. Every corner. Yeah, every corner. So, and I and I share this a lot because I went to, went to, and this is why I think it's important to have finance because I wanted to change my money, take my money out of Chase Bank and, and put it into um, a black owned bank. Mm-hmm. And that was that was my goal. Sure. Right? And I said, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take everything out and put it into a black owned bank. Did my research and found out there was only one one or two black owned banks and, in New York. And right? one that was not really black owned. And it was really not black owned <laughs> after you do the research. So, so we realized, so we understand right yeah, now yeah, talking about yeah. So then I said, okay. But then I I couldn't move all of my money. Yeah. Let me tell you why. And this is why I think it's important for us to start growing our community and expanding our branches out there, our, our black banks. Sorry. It's because the accessibility part. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't have access to cash when I wanted. Right. At any time. Right. And I had to commute to go get it. And even when I had to go to, um, if I had to put it out for the ATM, I had to pay double the fee. Mm-hmm. So I would have to pay the fee for that. Yeah. Bank and then pay the fee for the yeah. yeah. So I looked at that and I said, Well, I can allocate some of that money over, but I wouldn't be able to allocate all of it because. Right of that. I think it's very uh, important that we share this information for everybody to get at least started into something, whether it's they get started to understand it more of their finances or you might inspire somebody to go decide to open up a bank. You know, there's different variation of this the information that you're providing can go. Yeah. You know, especially with the old life insurance. Like I said, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to apply a lot of things that you shared. Um, I think that we need to get the information on on the life insurance more so because I I really hear a lot of people discuss that mm-hmm. Piece, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's valuable. Yeah. Right. But I'm I'm glad that you know you took the opportunity to go to Chase and, and you're making a difference yeah. in the company. Um, explain the company again. So it's Fortune Advisory Services. It's a I guess it's it's a financial services firm, right? What we focus on is we do investment management, we do insurance planning. We do budget planning, debt consolidation, things of that nature, right? But to me, I really consider it a financial literacy company, right? For me, I have, my tagline is financial freedom. Excuse me, <clears throat> financial literacy. Financial literacy leads to financial freedom, yeah. right? Or it's the key to financial freedom, right? So with that being said, every client that I speak to, every client that I get, that I end up becoming an investment manager for them, or I structure life insurance for them great debt planning and budget planning for them. It starts with a conversation first to understand where they are mindset-wise in relation to money mm-hmm. and where and what's their personal economy doing for them, right? So I started teaching them about different things, what the stock market is, what insurance is truth, and what avenues can we take it down. What is a budget? What is money in general? Right? Right. It depends, right? So with that, I do, diff- I do seminars. I do seminars for employers. Go to your business and I can speak to your employees about different financial topics. I do seminars for schools. Mm-hmm. You know, I work with the DOE, 
right? So I do financial seminars for the kids as young as, I've done it for as young as, as elementary school, right? Um, I'm working on different things right now to create a program that really, that the DOE can, can take a handle of and pretty much decipher how to I mean, send out to all, to all their schools. But to me, that's the real key for me, is really teaching people. Tell them, my wife and I tell you all the time, like, once I leave this earth, I can, if I could change the mindset of, of 1% of the community, I feel like I did my job. Yeah. To me, the money is, the money's there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not about starting a business just so I can get people to pay me money to manage their money. I can do that on my high school. I've been managing money since, since I was in my early 20s, mm-hmm. right? It's not hard, mm-hmm. right? It's not to say, it's not to be braggadocious about it, but it's really not hard. Right. You know, if you have you understand. If you have advisors out here trying to make it seem like they like they're this full expert and you can never do it, they're lying, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they they need to tell you that so yeah, that you fluff it. Yeah, so that you can pay them their elevated advisory fee, right? Mm-hmm. So they can look like what they're charging you makes sense. Right. Right? But at the end of the day, like, you know, I spend most of my day looking at what the stock market is doing. So I can find the pieces of companies from different things, right? Right. So those are like I'm a I'm a stockholder of Chase, right? I'm a stockholder of Nike. Those were my first two ever investments when I started investing. Those were the first two companies I ever bought. And that's from early age. And that's from early age. And if I could tell you, you know, I mean, you close the story, right? <laughs> but if I told you what those dollars became, mm-hmm. that's what I try to show people. There's a point that you're always going to start. Right? It doesn't matter when it is. Right, but I think people don't they, they don't think that way, right? right? They think either that you're a young professional, mm-hmm. you know, in your early twenties, mm-hmm. I have plenty of time to do those things, so let me enjoy my life, right? Or you're near retirement and now you think your life is over, and both those people are wrong, right? Right? At twenty five, yeah, theoretically you have a lot of time to live, right? So, well. Why wouldn't you give yourself the most time to build your wealth, right? As opposed to saying, I'm gonna wait till I'm 35, I'll wait till I'm married, I'm gonna wait till I get a better job, right? Yeah. If you have money now, instead of going to give it to Louis Vuitton or even Nike, right? So, you know, there's, there's Jordans that came out this morning, mm-hmm. people are very hyped about them, right? Mm-hmm. Cool gray 11s, you know, I own them, mm-hmm. right, from before. But I understand why people like sneakers, I'm a sneaker. At heart, right? So I understand it. Yeah, me too. But at the end of the day, right, if you could spend two hundred twenty-five thousand on a pair of sneakers, you could spend what's Nike today? Nike ended yesterday, I think, at one sixty-seven. Mm-hmm. You could buy a share of Nike and do that every month, right? And build your portfolio that way, mm-hmm. right? And then if you are close to retirement, then I would say that you wasted a lot of time if you don't have a full financial plan already set up for you, right? If you don't truly understand your four hundred one k. And you're not prepared for a time, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you don't have a lot of time, but your life isn't over, right? Because you can retire at 65, and you can live another 40 years. Mm. So what are you gonna do with the 40 years? And I'm telling you right now, Social Security's not gonna take care of you. No, it's not. Right. And most jobs don't pay a pension unless you work for the city, unless you work for the government, you work for police, fire, sanitation. You don't have a pension. Yeah. Right. Well, so four month pension over that. So, yeah. Well. Yeah. I can tell you, I, I can tell you a quick funny story about 401 ks right? Yeah. 401Ks were first started for executive level C-suite, excuse me, C-suite employees only, mm-hmm. CEOs, CEOs, right? And then everybody else was getting a pension. And then companies did the math as they're going forward, people started living longer. So they realized that we're going to have to pay people a 
a lot longer than what they actually work. Right. If I were to actually five, I live to 95. Mm -hmm. But I work for you 20 years, I live 30 years. You're paying me lifetime income for a lot longer time than I actually work for you. Right? So they petitioned the government to make phone pays available to everybody else. And then they started getting rid of pension. You gotta go for what's easier. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go. A company is always gonna do what the best to save their money. Yeah. Right? It's always gonna be what's so, so that's why I always tell people, right? So if you're gonna be a slave to money, right? Don't you wanna don't wouldn't you rather wouldn't you wouldn't you rather that not be the case? Because that company isn't looking up for you. No. Right? So you have to look well, up it's, too it's two extremes too, because one is you're right, you know, you have to have uh, you have to have the mindset to realize that eventually when you leave the company still gotta go. Yeah. Right? Still it's still yeah. running. Yeah. But at the same time, without the company, you don't have a job either. You yeah. don't have like a uh, a foundation, sure. you know, to build off of, right? So it's, it's like too extreme, but you have to understand if if your position in life is to stay, mm -hmm. you know, if your position in life is to stay with the company, grow with the company, yeah. then you want the best for the company to continue to grow, yeah. right? And then yeah. you're going to invest your money and your time wisely. Well, I always tell people this, right? Trust me, I'm not telling nobody to quit their job today, right? But I always tell people, when you work at a place, you have to think like a business owner, yeah. not just an employee. Right? As you think as a business owner, then you know the things that they have coming online, the regulations, the rules that they do. You understand why they're doing it, you don't think it personally. Yeah. But then you also understand as an employee that like you said, I'm important and vital to this company growing. Mm -hmm. So if I if I take it personal that they say, okay, instead of giving 5% of your 401k match, we're giving 3%. Oh, but you were doing five, I hate it. Yeah. So now I'm coming to work every day and I'm half-assing my job. How does that help you? It doesn't help at all. They gonna cut, they, yeah. Now they're going to cut it to one because they're not making no money. And that's partly your fault. It's partly your fault, yeah. So, it, like I said, it's two extremes and you just have to realize which way you fall. Yeah. Are you, are you the one that's like pro-job or you the one that's there to build build yourself up and then yeah. start your own thing, yeah. right? So it could be both. It could be both, yeah. But I always tell people most jobs that you work, it's, it, you, you're getting information that you could eventually just start a business for yourself. Absolutely. That's what I did. Yeah, I, that's what I did too. And Everything I, I do today, much. I did at the bank. See, so these things, they, and I think a lot of people put down having a nine to five, but uh, having a job, if you if you use it wisely, right? Some people just go to work, <laughs> but if you use it wisely uh -huh. and you and you raise your hand up and ask for you know. Let me volunteer to do this. Let me volunteer to do that. All these things you're learning mm -hmm. across the board, mm -hmm. right? So if I learn this aspect of the business, uh, move on to the next aspect of the business. Before I leave, I have this chunk of knowledge yeah, yeah, yeah. that I could take along with me mm -hmm. to my own business. Correct. Right. But that's if you use it wisely. A lot of people just go to work, you know, either they content and yeah. doing the job, and that's fine because you can love what you do. Or sometimes they go to work not happy, but not realizing that they have so much tools that they could benefit from yeah. and pull those resources for when the time they leave, they're yeah. ready. Yeah. Exactly what you did. Everybody is a everybody is a vital part of the, of, of the economy, right? Mm. So if you know you hear a lot about today, start a business, start a business, right? If everybody owned a business and nobody was an employee, how many of your businesses would survive? Would right? Most businesses need somebody to work for them. Absolutely. If you're in a restaurant and, and, and all my employees need to go start a business, mm -hmm. yeah. I got to close my business. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I, I got no employees. You got no employees. Like right. every, I know that people say this a lot. You know, it's too, uh, you can't have too many 
But is it too Chiefs. many Chiefs? Right? Right. Right. <laughs> None of not enough Indians. Yeah. The reality is, you have to build up those Chiefs. You can't just be a Chief starter. Yeah, you can't just right. you can't just wake up and now yeah. you can have multiple <laughs> Chiefs, but you got to build up to it. Yeah. And then that person end up going to do something else, right? Right. Or, or, or taking care of another aspect of the business. But people starting out, they want to be Chiefs, and that's that's the wrong thing. I mean, today everybody, today most people don't want to work for anybody. Right? They want their own thing, which is well, which is commendable, right? But you gotta build it from somewhere. I think I think today you have because of technology mm-hmm. allows you the ability to not want to work as hard as you yeah. would have in the past. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why. Because now I can get my car and do like a lift or loop Uber. Yeah. Right? right. Or I can do Uber Eats. Or better yet, I, I, you know, technology allows us to do other things outside. I, I even saw this app that's paying people to go shopping in a supermarket somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. And bringing in money. So these apps, I mean, these softwares or these engineers, um, I'm sorry, these, these inventions, uh, they are very innovative, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also allowing people the freedom to say, uh, I can just go ahead and do that. So yeah. it's like the work ethic is not there anymore. Yeah. So that's, and I think that work ethic is taking people away. Because yeah, I, I, everywhere I go now, I see for higher, for higher. If you don't have work ethic, then how successful is your business going to be? Right? Because if you think, well, I'm the owner of the business, mm-hmm. so I can lounge around, or I can half-ass it, or I can, I can come in at 11, right? Yeah. And then my employees have to be at 9. Honestly, if you don't own a business, you should be there at 7. Right? You should be there before your employees. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as, a, as an employer, you want to show your employees you're down to do everything that you're asking them to do. Yes. Right? Yeah. If you need them to take out the trash, yeah. if it's busy, you pick, you pick up the trash. trash right? Right? Yeah. You, need, you need service on the line, just mm-hmm. to be the owner, you should, you should wait the table too. One thing I, I, I don't like when I go to establishment, when they, and, I, and I get it right, if the person's not doing anything and you call them to do something, <laughs> I get it. Right. But if they're busy and you calling them to do something, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's wrong with your hand? That don't make no sense. Like, <laughs> that makes sense. You're standing right there. Just go ahead and take care of it because they're busy. And that shows that you're part of the team, that yeah. you're not above it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But hey, man, it's been great. Um, love to have you back again. And yes, then we can um, jump in on some other topics. I but talk about this stuff all day. I, I see. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to touch on the insurance piece because I think that's the one that is the most needed in our community sure. that we don't take advantage of. Sure. I've seen a lot of people jumping on Robinhood, yeah. investments. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people doing, you know, real estate and trying to figure that out. But nobody's talking about your third piece, mm-hmm. which is whole life insurance, and that's another way to create wealth. Yeah. So, you know, I'll finish off by saying, more than likely, anybody who watches this or anybody who, who who's out there listening. You probably have thought about life insurance at some point. You either have life insurance or you got rid of your life insurance. Any, if you're any of those three people, you're not wrong, right? And you still have opportunity to take advantage of a situation right. that has been taken advantage right. by a lot of people for a long period of time, yeah. right? If you have a life insurance contract currently, you need to find someone <laughs> possibly me right? that can review it and tell you right. if this policy is going to equate to you being better off financially or is it equating to the company being better off financially 
if you are somebody who thought about life insurance and you think the cost is too much, you don't really understand you have the time to do it, mm-hmm. again, find someone right, <laughs> that can sit there and tell you, listen, this is how we're going to build it out specifically towards you. Right. But if you tell me you can afford $50 a month, I can build an insurance policy for you. Right. You tell me you can afford $500 a month, I can, I can build it for you. Now, also, if you're somebody who had one and let, and let it go for whatever reason, I will tell you find someone again that can explain to you what would have happened if you would have kept it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of times people don't like to go back and look mm-hmm. at things that they got rid of or they regret things or they made a mistake. There's no losses, right? There's only lessons, right? You can learn from any mistake you've ever done, right? The problem is if you keep perpetrating the same mistake. Yeah. That's the problem. So if at anything, you know, you know, the way you can find me, you can go to fortuneadvisoryllc.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, in, uh, fortune underscore advisory. Um, my personal page is New Money Fortune. And, you know, I leave my phone number, 347-206-3010. Reach out to me, hit me up, ask questions. You know, everybody that I speak to, when I speak to them, consultations are free. I'm not here to gouge people. I'm really trying to push information forward and move the community forward. So if you have questions, you want a consultation, it's at no cost. So you're not losing anything. You can get your answers, and then you can see if there's something that fits you. And that's basically it. That's what's up, man. Listen, this was... Uh, amazing because uh, very few times that I get to <coughs> sit in and really enjoy <laughs> and take it in the information. So there's a lot of things that I'm gonna go back. Uh, I got this mental note. I've been holding on to like two things in my head yeah. right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I should write this down. So as soon as we get off the mic, I'm gonna write it down. But it's been a pleasure, and I just want to thank you for moving the community forward, um, sharing the information. You're not keeping it under lock and key like some people would. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's what's so valuable about you and your company and what you guys are trying to do with the movement. Um, just, I want to thank uh, For Purpose for allowing us to have this opportunity yeah. to be here. So we're back at For Purpose down in Brooklyn. So when you get a chance to stop by, food is amazing, drink is amazing. And um, 1428 Fulton Street. There you go. Find your way there. There you go. 1489. 1489. Correction. 1489. We'll drop that up. All right. So it's been a pleasure. Um, And we had jokes earlier, but I'll try to leave some bloopers here. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good night. Thank you.